Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Red Mage. Before I get into today's episode, I want to acknowledge that I've made the commitment to pump out new episodes each Saturday at 1pm. I missed this previous week because life happened. Some vandals struck my neighborhood, uh, and my car was one of 14 to have a window shot out. Luckily, no one was hurt, but it did infringe upon my podcasting time, and it did provide a lot of inconveniences for my immediate community. But please know that I'm an independent designer doing research, conducting interviews, prototyping, and generating content. As I don't have a team, events like these will inevitably introduce some delays. In order to make it up to my audience, I want to both acknowledge this and take some steps to avoid this in the future to the best of my ability so that I could continue to produce content on time. But thank you for understanding and continuing to listen in and joining me on this journey as I research, develop, and distribute potential solutions that are data-driven and human-centered. If you want to support the mission of this podcast, I encourage you to share a link to this podcast, consider purchasing some merchandise from my shop, and also consider becoming a patron on my Patreon. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month with additional tiers of $5 and $15. Depending on the tier that you join, you can get a shout out at the end of each episode, shop discounts, and additional goodies. By funding this podcast, you're helping me conduct research that ultimately creates platforms, services, or systems that benefit underrepresented communities. And every little bit helps. Now, with that out of the way, I want to introduce my guests for today's episode. Theo, uh, who is an animation student and artist that I've had the pleasure of working with on previous projects during my time in grad school. In esports, there is a large toll that falls on gaming athletes to practice for long hours at a desk, which results in physical injuries such as wrist damage, back pain, and burnout. Theo, <laughs> in a prior conversation that we've, we've had before, um, talked about the stress and demands of animation. Um, she complained about or mentioned physical back pain, um, the stress of delivering quality animations and comics on time with strict deadlines, and had a lot of similarities to the workload um, being on the computer all day, just like in esports, which I'm looking at as an extreme condition for work. So without any further ado, I would like to share our interview in which Theo introduces some insights regarding the demands of animation students and the demands of animators and content creators like comic book artists. Hi there, my name is Theo. I am, like, a, like Josh said, artist, animator, D&D aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I met here uh, in California, and I met Josh at Long Beach, where we met playing D&D. And I'm just happy to be on the podcast and be interviewed by Josh. <laughs> so, you know, Theo, the, the project I'm, I'm working on right now, and I've talked to you about it a little bit, is um, esports and how it's an extreme condition where we're kind of like, or esports athletes, and, and I shouldn't say we, but the athletes are in front of a computer for long, arduous hours practicing, training, and, you know, getting that, getting like, the kill counts down, getting like mechanics down, getting teamwork down. Um, 
you know, and it's it's enduring. They they get things like wrist damage, back pains, and, and burnout. And when we were talking, you had mentioned as an animator the long hours you spend, you know, hunched over the desk, the mm-hmm. the back pain that you experience. Um, can you mm-hmm. can you provide a little bit more insight into what the life of an animator is like, and you know what what kind of pains you're going through right now during the time of Corona? Mm-hmm. It's definitely a struggle because, especially when you're just like in this constantly tense position. I mean, we try to be kind of you know relaxed when we draw, but you know we often putting your hand up because of my monitor. It's like up to here, mm-hmm. so I'm drawing. It's like this constant steady hand motion that I have to keep making and it really causes tension in like my upper back but also I always have to be really weary about getting carpal tunnel because I just hear a bunch of horror stories like so many people like at Long Beach especially I would hear just get carpal tunnel and it's be like really hard even harder to do all the work assignments that they need to do so I'm always um have these exercises that I usually do like um one is I'll ice my hand for five minutes and then I'll stretch it. Or this one where my friend showed me, it's where you make a fist and they get as tight as you can for five seconds. Then slowly undo it and then stretch it out for five seconds and then go back into a fist. I usually do that like every two hours just to make sure. It's honestly just really kind of scary because if I do am encumbered, if I am encumbered by my hand or my back or anything, it's a delay that I usually can't afford because I'm usually doing so many art assignments or papers or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that all sounds really difficult, you know, and while we're in this, in this time of Corona, I can imagine that you're not just doing your animation studies. You're, you're in front of the computer for things like socialization, for other classes, um, interviews, hanging out. And we we do a, a D&D um, probably every, every week or every other week on Fridays. And it's, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. Um, what, it, what, what is some of the toll that it takes on you being on the computer for so long? One of the tools it takes is mostly on my eyes. Like I already have like astigmatism. I'm just looking at a screen all day just really wears me down. I think they call it like Zoom fatigue. When you like stare at your screen all day, especially on Zoom meetings. And what I usually do to kind of like get away from it is I'll like play like podcasts, like the adventure zone or something on my bed. I just kind of like rest my eyes and just be like, no more reading today. No more drawing. Just D and D. Just the that's the the Galway Brothers. <laughs> you 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 mentioned um, astigmatism, and I I have astigmatism and dyslexia. And when I I'm reading through research papers and and documents and and literature, because it's so much cheaper to to get um, Amazon books on Kindle. Oh, I think we might have might have froze. Theo, are you still with us? We have some uh, some technical difficulties here due to uh, to Zoom and in Discord. Um, we're gonna pause for right now and see if I can get Theo back. Wi-Fi interruption has segues into something 
else about this corona and at-home learning is the Wi-Fi is not always super reliable 100% of the time. And, and you, you mentioned in our, our text as we were trying to sort this out that you're in the middle of a forest, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, um, it's like a, like a, a micro forest where it's like, it's not huge, but I'm like surrounded by trees on a hill. And like to get to the other neighbors, it's like a little bit of a drive, not super long. But if I were to like go outside, outside the Wi-Fi range, my data wouldn't do shit. Like it's it's not a good cellular zone at all. So I'm really dependent on my Wi-Fi working, but a lot of times it'll just drop. And I actually had a really bad experience with it not working uh, when classes started. <clears throat> My very first class was this uh, comic analysis. And I was so excited. I was like 20 minutes early. I was so pumped for this class because you know, I'm in like, an illustration. I was like, I really want to make my illustrations look good but in a professional sense. So I was just like waiting, I was waiting. The class started at 9.30, I'm there. Then 9.28 hits and my Wi-Fi just stops. Like I can't even find it under the Wi-Fi tab. And I was just like, what do I do? What what happened? <laughs> and I go to my Wi-Fi and I realize power isn't even coming to it. And I was just like, why isn't the power going to it? It's plugged into the wall. The wall gives us power. Wait, well, why aren't you doing your job? <laughs> and I eventually realized that the entire power to my house had gone out <laughs> and my dad had to go outside to do repairs for it because apparently a windstorm was hitting my house and it knocked over some of our power stuff out of technical business my dad's the engineer he, he knows all of that stuff i was just there like i am so late to this class my teacher's gonna be so upset <laughs> and i remember like writing the most frantic apologetic email and my teacher being the coolest overlord there is was just like it's okay minion yeah so then this happens, because it's all I'm learning, just to come to next class on time. I'm like, yes, yes, thank you. <sighs> Forgive me. <laughs> uh, interruption. One sec. Okay, sorry. You know, technology is supposed to make things so so quick for us, but um, it's funny that there's interruptions with everything. I just got <laughs> a whole box of additional merchandise, um, different size shirts. Hey. Um, for for everyone um so that just came in i'm super excited but you know this this being on the computer what it sounds like is that there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes from the reliance on it mm-hmm. you know and when your work's revolving around that power going out and as an animator or even as someone that you know in esports that has to practice for so long you know if you if you can't get that in what what's the, what does that stress kind of do uh, to you, and what does that look like? So stressful. I remember since I've lived in the forest my entire life, I always kind of know not to depend too much on the electricity or the power or Wi-Fi because it would fail so often. It was to the point where a lot of the kids in my class, this is back in like high school, they would do their notes on this site where it was on Wi-Fi and anybody could see it. And so it's like, if you weren't really good taking notes, you could look at someone else's notes. And it was like a really good system, especially for the people who like aren't great at taking notes or understanding their own notes. 
but I would never put my notes on there. I'd always handwrite my notes because I knew the day I had to say for a test, the Wi-Fi would go out and I wouldn't be able to access anything. <laughs> and my friends were like, oh, come on, dude, that's not going to happen. You know, it's all the cool kids are doing it. Come on. And I was just like, ah, I really don't think so. And uh, there was one time I did do the notes. It was for this, oh, it was like an English class. We were reading the Scarlet Letter. And I put my notes for the last few chapters. And I was like, well, you know what? I just got to do it, you know? Like they said, all the cool kids are doing it. Peer pressure hit me like that. So <laughs> I put my notes in. I was like, this is going to be okay. I'm excited. It's reading. So I pretty sure I'll memorize the book anyway, whatever. The night before a test, <laughs> there was a blackout on my house again. It wasn't because of a windstorm. It was just because our wiring is like made in like the early 90s. Next, like 1900s or something. This is an old ass house, but <laughs> the, yeah, the power went out. I couldn't access my notes, and I was like, "I knew it! I was right! I cannot trust you, Internet. You hurt me too many times." And I just ended up rereading the last couple of chapters again because I was like, "I can't see my notes." That's the point. <laughs> and it took like 45 minutes for the power to get back into my house because my dad had to like go outside in the dark because it was like near nighttime. And when it gets dark out here, it gets dark. Like, horror movie, someone's gonna murder me dark. And so, he had to get a flashlight and kind of go out into that wilderness to try to figure out what the hell happened. And <laughs> I was just inside, just begrudgingly reading the Scarlet Letter, just be like, I fucking knew it. Fucking notes. <laughs> so, like, that. So, it's really. Oh, no, no, go, go on. Yeah, it's very stressful, and I've kind of developed a habit when I draw here. Uh, to like whenever I make a major change to my artwork, I just you know command S, command S, command S, because I need to save it just in case something messes it up. So you know that that sounds like a lot of stress, and mm -hmm. you know as a college student, I could imagine what that does does to you, like even more so do you have any like coping mechanisms or anything that you do since you're spending so much time on the computer to like kind of help you know adjust or like address some of the, the anxiety or stress that you come up come in to personally i can like keep my chill rather well but then sometimes i just like snap and like go momentarily insane like, literally, like, two days ago, I was, like, mid-midterms, and I was just like, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm okay, and I was like, I had to shave part of my hair off. So I got a reason, I shaved the back, the under part of my hair, and then I was just like, yes, it's not even, it doesn't look good, but I just, I need to do that right then and there. And then I went back to writing for my English classes. <laughs> Honestly, it, it definitely just depends on the person because usually I can keep myself relatively under control, but I just know when I hit that point where it's like, I'm going insane, and I just used to do something crazy or stupid. Like, shave the back of my hair, and I already have thin hair, so it's like, I'm not doing myself any favors here. I'm, I'm not working with much. <laughs> now I'm working with less. <laughs> do, you, do you feel that you have like any, any resources or outlets Sorry, my, my hair is all kind of a mess. I mean, I'm trying to grow mine out. Um, Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm shooting for, uh, for is it shoulder blade length? 
uh, so I could donate half of it, and then the rest I want to style. But dope. Uh, on that, on that, my my hair looks like kind of like poop right now. So I've been wearing, I've been rocking my uh, Cloud Nine hat as I'm kind of jumping into the world of esports. And on that note, do you do you feel that you have any like immediate resources that could help you out whenever you feel that you're overwhelmed or like anxious or stressed as an animator or a college student? And are those resources like easily ac- accessible to you? Resources. I'm very much an introverted person, and often I don't really go towards others. Whenever I need to recharge, I usually go to myself and spend time by myself to kind of figure that out. I mean, in terms of, like, if I'm struggling academically and there's, like, some academic stress, the university I go to does have some good resources. However, almost all the appointments are taken up until, like, next semester. And so it's really hard to kind of feel like, okay, I'm a secure person to talk to when it's like, there's no appointments and there's only one uh, office hours. That's for two hours. Uh, so that kind of is definitely a pain. However, a lot of the resources I use to kind of de-stress to have to get away from all learning is I read a lot of comics. And I like have a lot of physical copies of comics, so Wi-Fi can't fuck me over there. <laughs> and, uh, I kind of been reading those. I've reread the One Punch Man series right now, so that's so funny. Hundred percent, ten out of ten. Good animes, good mangas. Gosh, I'm going insane. Us <laughs> also, yeah, a lot of the stuff I do just personal stuff. I know the school sometimes has these events where there's zooms with like, oh, zoom with the guy who did this and. Zoom with the person who drew the Eiffel Tower on a million pages. Super cool. Check them out. And I feel like that's definitely really great for those who go to others in terms of stress relief. Also, um, another thing is at my house, I have two like high-risk parents. And myself, I have um, really bad asthma. So I can't really risk going out that much without like being as safe as I can so like no friends no not even like a lot of my family members because some of my family members are insane and um yeah they don't social distance and it's like por que why do you do <laughs> you're 80 <laughs> so you know on that note you mentioned yeah. some, some... Yes, that's... sorry I, I, hope, I hope I didn't mean to interrupt oh, no. Or no, I, go ahead. I was going to go on a tangent. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of things there. Like the first that I, I noticed you say was that you use comics as a form of like relief and that you kind of go in there. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see that as escapism? Do you see that as, you know, just some like a, a, a me time activity? What is that for you? Escapism is the perfect word for that because I am one of those people who like really immerse themselves into the book. Like, Fuck reality. I'm going to chill in this little pocket dimension for a bit and just focus on this good person's problems. Internalize their problems as my own problems for a sec and just be like, hey, I feel you, dude. Like, spider witch just stole my sister's soul. I get that. Like, come on. You can pull through. I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> and um, another thing I do, I guess that's just the creative in me. The thing you mentioned is is sometimes I'll just lay in my bed and stuff going on 
it's literally like a two-year saga now where it's just like so complicated and definitely not like this would be a terrible story if i wrote it down but in my head it's like the best thing i've ever experienced and seen in my life like yeah there's you know superheroes there's shadow monsters there's like succubuses but like it's much genders and it's like freaking space it's terrible but i love it and i also think about that for like an hour and just be like yeah dude like that's awesome <laughs> this is my favorite thing to think about <laughs> uh, you know that that's super cool like i've i've been working on looking into different mediums and trying to figure out what what's kind of going on i mean one thing that kind of comes to mind is the impact of time and the space that you're in like mm. Um, you know, for esports players, they give up a lot. That is personal relationships, mm-hmm. going out, like they're in that house, basically like, you know, a little bit of an exaggeration, but 24 seven, you know, slamming away at this. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it wears on them. I, mm-hmm. I've kind of gone manic in, in my little like cubicle of a room here, you know, you know, when you, when you mention comics, do you feel that kind of like takes you out of that space? And how much time do you spend, like, to to use them as a form of escapism and relief? You know, and is that just the reading time? and it, Or is there, you know, time that you kind of just lay down and, like, kind of think pensively about that and reflect? Time I spend reading comics or daydreaming or drawing my own comics. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's it's way too much time, admittedly. Probably around like five to six hours out of my day, and then I spend the rest of my time usually doing schoolwork. I think it's mostly just because this is much needed break from all of like the schoolwork, and it's like sort of comforting in a sense. Because usually at school, you know, I'd be able to see some people and just be like in the presence of others, and that's just like. A feeling that's hard to describe because while I don't like talking to a lot of people, I get lonely. So I won't be around you. So it's like be close to me, but like, don't talk to me, please. <laughs> I really miss sort of feeling like that. <laughs> and um, when you get really into like reading or drawing, and you have like these new people and characters, it kind of gives back that feeling of I am surrounded by people again that aren't talking to me, and this is like awesome. Like I'm very I feel comforted by that. I think that's why I spend so much time doing that. <laughs> it, it feels like you're kind of addressing something like a community or even being together alone. And a good example is World of Warcraft. You're you're there, you're kind of doing your thing um, and people are around you, but they're not like necessarily talking to you or engaging you, but there's an off chance that when you want to talk or you want to like communicate with someone that you see doing something, you can, and it could lead to a potential fun adventure for that given period of time. Mm-hmm. When you're reading comics, you, you, you said that you, or you mentioned that it's kind of like being around like that social group and having that, that almost like a community. Would, would that be accurate? Um, you don't have to people like it's not wired <laughs> uh, yeah um you know so what is that is that like a good medium for you and are there other mediums that you use for that like have you are you you know 
Would you use video games for that? Would you use a tabletop like D&D for that? Um, what's your, what do you feel about that? D&D and games are sort of different, especially if the game is like an open world, because in that sense, I'm still sort of contributing to it. If that makes sense. Because when you read comics, like, I have literally no impact on the story. Like, I am just an observer on this already functioning, developed world. When it comes to video games or D&D, it requires my active input. Like, I'm the one who says what my character goes to do. I'm the one who <clears throat> knows their thoughts and feelings and contributing to the story. And it's definitely more social form of sort of escape. Because I know now that others are going to also be affected by what I say and contribute to the story. And I feel like that's much more of an extroverted activity. Because you're sort of getting energy from being around people and creating the story together. Would you would you say that there's like, I guess, opportunities to kind of transition between both? Like some days you would really love that, that comic where you're detached and in other days where you would like to kind of have more like of an engagement? They detached. Like, <laughs> I'm highly introverted. I'm like, I, I can socialize rather well. I'm very outspoken. <laughs> but um, I usually prefer uh, solo activities. But I'm not saying that hanging out with my friends isn't fun. Like, I do really enjoy it. In fact, D&D is like the highlight of my week because you guys are awesome. And it's fun and funny and really engaging. But uh, in terms of sort of regaining my energy after working a lot of assignments, I just need like an opportunity to where I don't affect this, you know. I'm just here enjoying what the world is giving me without feeling like I need to contribute back to it. It's kind of selfish, you know. Like you you entertain me, but I don't have to entertain you. <laughs> but um it's definitely what I'd like to enjoy to kind of recharge. I mean, you, you use the word selfish. Why do you, why would you say that that is selfish? Do you feel that that's a, a social expectation that has been kind of pushed onto you? Or do you feel, you know, where, where does that stem from? I think I use the word selfish because when in terms of being social, it's never just one person working on it it's two people working together to create this conversation and if one person's carrying the conversation that's a terrible conversation just be like hey bill how are you today and bill should be like fine it's like okay bill <laughs> and uh sometimes i just don't have the energy to contribute to that you know cause that really good conversation and so it makes me feel guilty because it's just like i don't want to push this onto you but i really can't carry this so you take the conversation. You, you, you do that. I'm just gonna die. <laughs> and so I think being such an extroverted society too. It's like, oh, go ahead. No, no, continue on with that with that yeah. notion of the extroverted society. Being, mm -hmm. uh, being an extroverted society, it's sort of like we've always been grown up, you know, talking with each other, you know, always play with people, you know, like be friendly and talk to them. That's always been encouraged. And I remember growing up being like, why are you sitting there reading? Your cousins are over. Talk to them. And I'd be like, uh, do I have to? I mean, it's, 
but like five years older than me. Like, that's not really what I want to do right now. But so to kind of always been sort of looked down on, at least where I kind of grew up in, to kind of do stuff by yourself and like not contribute to like the joy of everybody. That's why I think I really enjoy just reading comics because I feel like I don't have to put energy to making everything great for everybody else because I'm just focusing on the story, which is making me happy. I think <laughs> I think that uh, the wood bomb is a, is a great way to be like drop mic, um, but I I, <laughs> I think that's that's really important. You know, like the the ability to have that space for ourselves and the ability to be able to say, hey, I'm, you know, I understand the need to socialize. I understand, you know, the 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 relationship and the dynamics in which it's a it's a two way participatory you know engagement, but this is my comfort zone these are my needs and this is what has to be met and finding a way to kind of like integrate that is is you know is something that should be considered um Mm -hmm. when you're when you're engaging in these uh in the in the medium of comics and you're having that solitary time what what is it what does your space look like you know do you you know are you kind of just like grabbing a comic and that's kind of like anywhere that you you can be is there kind of like a ritual where you like make tea have like some food you sit down and you're like hmm, yes yes the plebeians today are are doing this you know what what is what is your your process for recuperation look like it's mostly like i mean since i live in a forest i don't really have like any close neighbors and right now i live with my parents and my sister and since they all kind of have their own rooms and spaces, I'll usually just find either an open space or maybe go outside. Not often outside because, like, it's windy and there's animals. And it's like, ooh, no. <laughs> but I'll just find like, a nice space. Once I actually, I went into my car and I was like, this is a good place to read some comics. And I just kind of sat there. And my mom was like, oi, what are you doing? What are you doing in your car? Are you going somewhere? Like, nope but I'm going into the world of anime and manga. God, I'm such a... Ah, I think ah, I'm going insane. <laughs> but yeah. So it's not really like a ritual. It's mostly just like, do I feel like green comics? Yes, let's go. Just boom, there it is. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like that medium of comics is like, you can, you can pop that open anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And is is that like, do you do you feel that's a really important aspect of the medium, um, or would you like to have something more dedicated, like to to a particular space? I, I mean, I think it definitely depends on the person. Like, I'm the type of person who can sleep on airplanes, buses, just randomly. I think I fell asleep once during D and D session when we were outside, and I was just cast that bag and just started taking a snooze. I can just I feel comfortable sleeping anywhere, but like I know I have a sister who can barely sleep in her own room because she like has her earplugs and like nightcap and everything, and she like can't be disturbed. When we shared her room, she said she wanted to sleep underneath that snore so loud, like how dare you breathe? <laughs> so I think um, that could also be the same with comics. You need to be in a very specific space to where you feel like okay, take this journey. I need to have my pillow. I need to be in my room. The curtains have to be drawn. Like, 
light some candles, get an atmosphere going on. So I definitely think it just depends on the person. Yeah. And, and I feel like comics, like, because if you need to have that space kind of set up, you know, you need to have the rose petals on the bed, the human sacrifices, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the the ominous music, the red lighting, um, the tributes mm-hmm. to the Dark Lord. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Smash um, Mouth. <laughs> Smash Mouth as a tribute <laughs> to the Dark Lord would be great. That'd be funny. Um, all that glitters is gold. And it just, you know, the, the, the circle that you have on the floor just burns up and then the lead singer of Smash Mouth comes out to grant your wish. Um, <laughs> so Pantagram just Shrek's face. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it sounds like comics are, are kind of like suit that, like where you can have that person that needs that that entire space set up in a particular way or they could kind of fit to someone that is just kind of like you know i could i could just knock out of here and chill you know have my my adventure path and wham i'm in another world mm-hmm. um yeah as, as someone that creates comics uh and animates what is what is the magic of the medium that you use and why is it so important i think the magic of it comes from the artist sort of giving a piece of ourselves and putting it back out there for others. Like when I see, when I make comics, it's sort of my way of kind of saying thanks to the comic community in general. Because I kind of said this before how I always kind of felt selfish, like indulging in this without really contributing back. So when I make comics, I feel like I'm giving back a piece of myself to the community so that others can find joy and solace in reading my comics. Like, I found joy and solace in reading others' comics. So, I think the magic is, like, we are now seeing a piece of the artist's personality and the humor. And I think that's where, yeah, I think that's where the magic comes from. <laughs> you know, and you, you mentioned community. And... When you're when you're going into this comic, let, let's say like you know that the magic spider woman that, that snatched up your sister, and is now you know gonna implant eggs in her, and they're gonna it's gonna be like a like an alien brood mother. Um, <laughs> that just got really like intense. Like, um, <laughs> um, you know that is it is it kind of like a an individual but also shared experience? Like when you when you see that like um, in my previous project uh quark space i went to various anime expos and i did some um or, or conventions they're not they're not all anime expo they're they're anime conventions and there is this kind of like moment where people that were like in cosplay were recognized by fans of of that same you know like fandom and community and there was like this moment where like people were like, yeah, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Like, and it was just like, and then they take photos and like together of the of the person. And it's um it's a very kind of like almost like just surreal moment and how, how that kind of draws people together. And when you were saying how, you know, comics, like, you know, you're 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 an individual, you're reading that, it's like a it's a solitary act. But then there's also this community that kind of goes into that. I guess the, the big question is what what is that? How does that solitary action lead into a communal communal like build, um, or like a like a an online or a physical community? Um, yeah. 
with comics, it's like this feeling and idea is able to be shared amongst a wide group of people. Like, I follow a lot of comic groups, like Hasbun Fanworks. Um, well, I can only think of one right now. <laughs> CTN Artist Collective or Red Artist Network. And they're able to kind of just like share these pieces, either they create or they find. And the sharing part is what makes it so social because while we can read something and it can be a lot to us, unless we kind of share it with someone else, we never know if we could form a connection based off of this piece of work. Now, I'm, I'm often not one to share a lot because, like I said, I'm more of an internal person. But when I do share and like, uh, get shared with others, I definitely make the most connections with other people. I recently actually made a friend because we both read the same uh, comic Catboy. And we was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. And it's, it's just, that's kind of like one of the delights of that. Like, when when you when you see mm. that like there is like this like kind of like magic that happens it's like wow you know someone someone's reading about like meow man or like was it whatever whatever cat boy is is kind of coming up there um mm. what what does that do when you when you when you find someone else for for you on a personal level or what have you seen in the in the comic community when when two people kind of like share that fandom um, and then what does sharing that fandom mean? Personal experience, because Catboy is a really um, small comic, and it's not really part of a series, it's just a singular book. What we ended up doing was she told me that she also wrote her own stories that she um, really enjoyed. She wasn't a comic artist, though, but she said she just really liked writing. She's a really good writer. I was like, oh my god, like, your work is gold. I'm a peasant compared to this. <laughs> and um, when uh, she told me her story, I was like, can I draw fan art for your story? And she's like, yes. Oh my God, I'd be so honored for you to do that. And I'm sending you the link of it right now. But I made this of her two characters because she like, described to me this whole saga between them. And I was just like, oh my God, I love these. And while she isn't really planning on making this into a comic book anytime soon, I feel like this is how many big creative projects come to light. Like people with these awesome talents and ideas, they meet and they come together to make something amazing. So like this community that is formed from other creations are able to get together to create even more creations. It's like a self-fulfilling cycle. So I mean that's that's really interesting. And what what does that do for like, you know, to be a part of this community? Do you feel that it impacts uh, your 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 emotional well being, um, maybe a, like your self image, uh, and do you feel that that would resonate with all of these content creators, um, or is that kind of like more individual basis on how that's interpreted? Self image. And there's also, that's sort of the threat that also comes with being in community, because not all work is going to be reciprocated the same way. And that's one of like my biggest anxieties about being in community, because while I do make comics, it's always that sort of inner fear of, oh my gosh, what if they hate it? Or what if they misinterpret it? Or what if like 
they judge my character based off of this comic and just say, oh, this sucks. You should stop making comics. You nasty. <laughs> and so I gotta make a joke of it, but it's actually very, very stressful. And to kind of be in a community, you kind of have to like take a risk because you're giving a piece of yourself out there and you are waiting to see if you'll be accepted for the piece you share or if you'll be rejected. Did I answer the question? I forgot what the question was. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> nailed it. Um, and, like, you know, monster. with that, do you feel like, you know, because you mentioned anxiety. How do you, mm-hmm. how does like one, how does like a, a content creator like yourself um, or in the comic book or animation community cope with the anxiety of putting one's work out there? Um, you know, that <laughs> that's a kind of a loaded question. Uh, that's also a good question. It's honestly something I still struggle with because I don't post a lot of my work online. In fact, like a lot of work I do is mostly for friends or like do like personal talks and connections. Um, for me, it's mostly like for like personal family reasons because they weren't always the most supportive of the art I do. They're very much like. Art is like the stuff you see in museums, like paintings or stuff like that. But personally, I think art can be anything and anything that makes us happy. So I've always sort of been, from my personal experience, a huge struggle in overcoming that anxiety. Because it's ingrained in your head for so long. Like, this isn't art unless it's this very specific thing. It's hard to overcome that and, like, feel free to post stuff that isn't in that category. And feel accepted by others to do it. Um, a lot of people I know kind of overcome it by though posting it anyways, because you're gonna see people more love than I hate me post art. Like unless your art is like murdering babies and putting them in a blood pit full of scorpions, then you might not you know appreciate that too much. But if it's thing that's really important or passionate to you, you will find some community that will accept it. And being able to find a community that can accept you can just do wonders for an artist's confidence and push them to make more and greater things. You know, on that on that note, it sounds like there's a lot of like social and maybe even cultural aspects that contribute to these anxieties. Um, what, you know, I see you nodding your head as a yeah, um, what would help um, animators and, and, and creatives kind of like reduce that reduce that anxiety or help ad- address it? A big help that helped me was going to college and kind of meeting other people that did art in a different way, like all these illustrators, animators, comic artists. That was really helpful, and that's why you quarantine is really hard because I'm back home <laughs> and I no longer have all those physical connections that I once had. And while there are a lot of online communities, I've just never been one to be great on the internet. And it was at Long Beach that people were trying to pushing me to go on the internet and I had that sort of physical social support. But with that gone, I feel like I've kind of gotten farther away. I'm starting to get back into it now. Um, I'm making a comic right now for 
Aspen Hotel Fanworks. And so that's sort of me taking my baby steps to kind of be part of a comic community. But uh, I think the best thing you can do is just get yourself out, if you can, of the atmosphere that really represses your creative drive and inspirations. And if you can't get out of that sort of place, then in that place, try to find a comfort zone where you feel comfortable enough to try to do your best to do your work and do the stuff that makes you happy. But I know that's not... A lot of people aren't able to do that. So I know it's it's a real struggle to do. The idea of community keeps coming up. Um, You know, and... There, like right now we're talking about the, the being ripped away from all that social support uh, in quarantine. And when I read about esports players and how they're kind of like in this house 24-7 just, just adhering to this regime for practice, it, it sounds like, and I'm, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm making this assumption based on readings um, that can be corrected later with additional information that they're also kind of taking away from like certain aspects that would be supportive there how do how do either content creators you know or uh comic you know comic book artists go about finding ways of filling that community virtually and does it fully replace that that physicality um in at all I think being physically with somebody is such a specific emotion and feeling because when you're online, there's really two senses. Well, it's three senses you're fulfilling. You The sound of other people's voices, the sight of how they look like, but it's like you don't have like, this is weird, but you know, like the smell of being around people or the touch of being around people. I feel like I'm forgetting a sense, but <laughs> but it's just it's so different from being online versus being in person because there's so many factors that come into being in contact with another person. But then again, online, it is you don't need to physically be with somebody to share your idea with them an idea can come in all forms in all mediums so i know online to kind of find like-minded people who like comics and like art their discord forums their sites like deviant art i know deviant arts doesn't sound the most pg-13 but <laughs> there are some good communities that are both you know safe for kids and definitely not safe for kids be careful y'all <laughs> but uh instagram like social media sites where people are usually seeing documenting their own lives people have also documented their own comics and their own work there too and also uh if for me specifically if there's webtoons which is a comic site where people from all over can post their comics like you don't need to be signed with them or anything though some are signed with the site and get paid for when their comics get noticed, so yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but there's honestly a lot of digital sites out there for people to share their ideas and to connect with others. But at the same time, it's just incredibly different 
being online versus being in person. And I think also a big part of being in person was when, especially when I took art classes at CSULB, whenever I was working on an art piece and I made a mistake or I was actively working and, oh, there's an error, I would always have like a teacher or another student kind of point out to me. And that's very different from online because online you can only post what you finish or maybe some in-progress pieces, but never actively working stuff. Like you won't see me like on the session board, you won't be seeing what I'm drawing. Unlike IRL. And so when I post a piece, sometimes a person will be like, oh, did you know this is like a little thing right there? And I notice it's like, oh shit, that if I fix it, I'm going to fix like layers of stuff to accommodate that. And so that was always sort of a frustrating part of sharing art online, getting feedback for it. So it, it sounds like there needs to be that like almost hybrid opportunity, um, both mm-hmm. in person and, and virtual. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things I'm also curious about is how that community, how do you transition a virtual community to a physical and vice versa? Um, in terms of coronavirus or just in general? I think just in general, um, Corona is a very, very odd and transitionatory time, but in general, like when we see all of these, um, you know, like. I guess my, my best frame of reference would be uh, Anime Expo, where mm-hmm. you have these online communities that or people that are, you know, things like forums, things on YouTube, um, social media like Instagram, Facebook, and so forth. If anyone still uses Facebook, um, <laughs> there, there are some, it, it's surprisingly, it's, it's still necessary for, for some uh, to market and brand yep. themselves. My um, crazy grandparents. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you call it um but they when they go to that convention it's like that virtual community transitions over and they start to engage what does that look like you know on you know the level of a comic book creator of um an artist uh as an animator It sort of was like when we did D&D, actually. Because remember when we did CSELB, we would have this Discord community that we would talk on, however, we still made the effort to meet each other once a week to actually play the game. You know, it was a part of us is online, but also a part of us was in person. And in terms of, like, art, I once helped a senior with her uh, senior film for animation. And we would communicate a lot online. However, once a week, I would go up to the computer lab and I would animate alongside her and get her opinion actively on what I was drawing. So I know it's hard because some groups of people are like across the country from each other and are unable to kind of meet in person. But I think that's where sort of stuff like anime expos and like big events are important because those are big enough events for where these people can finally come together and be like, oh my god, I worked on this comic with you and now we're actually meeting each other in person. This is incredible. I think it honestly adds to the experience of the event they go to because not only are you with this person that you vibe with mentally, but now you're actually vibing physically. And, you know, how how does that, do you feel that that kind of like being able to transition to those spaces and, and collaborate and and meet, you know, people that are, are like kind of in that community, does that impact 
Um, you know, your your emotional health, does that impact your well-being? You know, and how so? I think, I mean, especially when you're in a very similar community to you, there's a lot of positive reinforcement that comes from it. Because often when you're in a community specific to something, you're with a lot of like-minded people. Which at the same time, I'm, I've been told it's also sort of a danger because when you're always with people who agree with you, you really see the pains of others or how others feel. But at the same time, I live with engineers and math people, so they already oppose my art, so I don't need that. I just need some positive reinforcement, please. <laughs> but uh, it definitely affects my emotional health because it just makes me feel better about the work I'm doing. Like, yes, people have made careers off of this. People are able to do this work and feel really proud of their work. It sort of just, like, gives me an eyesight into what the, like, whole industry is about and it's about working hard for what you love to do and that's make me even more hopeful for my future in illustration and animation what do you what do you feel are have been some of the barriers to that and how accessible do you feel that it's been pre-corona and in 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 the time of corona to do so I had a physical sort of community to kind of express these feelings and kind of talk with. Like I had teachers that worked in the industry and a lot of events where uh, Blue Sky would sometimes come to visit the campus. Online, it's more of that same feeling. There is a little less of like the opportunity aspect because with my teachers being actual people in the industry, it's easy to kind of like get a vibe from them and like communicate with them and talk to them about stuff and about the industry in general. However, online, it's really hard to get in touch with people in the industry because often they're working on projects or just really busy. And it's really hard for them to just talk to one person that contacts them randomly online. But I think the emotional support is still the same there. To where people are still supporting my art and like supporting my actions and drive towards the field. And I feel like while it's not you know, as impactful as being in person, it's still really, really helpful. You know, and I wanna I wanna follow up on that question. Um for female content creators do you feel that there's there's additional barriers? Do you feel that there are additional areas that need to be developed? Um, and because I'm, I'm thinking of people like Rebecca Sugar, uh, who is the creator of the Steven Universe. And I was like, wow, you know, this this is great. And in Steven Universe, it shows Steven kind of like have his character arc where he's transformed, like, what is it, the Steven Universe future? where he's dealing with all these like things about himself um and it it takes a physical manifestation and you you see that in the animation um and you know that's something almost really magical that comics and animation can do is is really kind of show that other side through either metaphorical things or um really kind of like creating some kind of like beast out of it and 
do you do you feel that uh females need need additional support do you feel that they're getting enough support in the in the comic industry in in creative pursuits um and what what can be done uh if there are barriers or there are needs to, to change all that i believe in a lot of fields there is definitely a lot of hardships for women because I recently took, actually it was history where I read about it, where women weren't even expected to like work. They were always expected to be at home. And all these laws were actually put in place to help keep it that way. That only in like recent decades we've been able to resolve and reverse. What's interesting about the art community is a lot of artists, like especially in my classes, are predominantly female. Which I found was like really interesting because a lot of my classes, like in high school, and and other subjects are usually predominantly male and i don't know why i pointed that up i just thought that kind of interesting and i think this is just a majority of females in the arts fields especially at like long beach there are a lot more programs there designed to help females into the animation business like i know there is the society for female animators i think at Long Beach, which is made to have these female artists and animators come in to talk to us and offer specific uh, scholarships or specific uh, studio projects for females in the club. And that sort of helps to, you know, push and allow females these opportunities. Uh, I haven't dove too much into that program, though. I was going to this year, but then Corona kind of hit, and joining clubs isn't the easiest or the most... I don't have a lot of time to join a lot of clubs online, which is funny. I know this is kind of off-topic, but like, even though things are online, I feel like I have less time to do the stuff I had before, because a lot of the assignments are now like self-taught. So I had to take time to kind of teach myself a lot of the subjects so that's kind of going off topic <laughs> but kind of being a female in the business i haven't faced too much opposition i mean i'm not getting paid a ton but i think that's mostly artist thing less of a female thing <laughs> uh but i think to kind of fully answer that i need to be in the field at like a studio because it's hard to kind of talk about what it's like to be an artist in the industry when feelings of like sexism or harassment are always done like person to person, not over a computer. Well, cyberbullying, but I don't check my email. <laughs> like shut off your computer. Um, you know, yes. on, on that note, you, you feel that you've had like compression of time, and I'm trying to. I hope to explore all these avenues and try to like piece together all this um because one of the things that happens in esports is that it's it's mostly male dominated um and i i i was talking to someone um who who follows uh overwatch league and they gave me this example as to why there's some people have a very bleak view about that and one of the things was they hired um it was like a Russian team that that made this esports team, and they were all very attractive ladies. Um, but they were they had an in, like 
they lost every game. And then he was saying that when he was watching some of the replays, there was a moment where like it looked like they just didn't care about the game anymore and they they didn't want to be there. Um, and this is coming off of off, off of his um, input and interpretation. I, I didn't get to see the video yet, um, but he was he was informing me about that. And then the the access to that, the inclusivity, is is something that I, I want to be very weary of, um, and and diligent to doing the right part because as as designers and when we're making stuff when we're when we're dealing with this there has to be a space for people to be able to come in and it has to be accessible and you know and inclusive and diverse it's our it's our responsibility as designers um mm-hmm. so when when i ask these questions it's kind of more to kind of put things into perspective um mm-hmm. if if i ever say anything that is incorrect um or anything that you you feel that should be phrased differently or changed like call me out on it um oh i will yeah okay, cool. you know me out i'll G- shut up <laughs> Theo is one of my favorite artists because she's just go like wham she will find you she will she will call you which is her, her D and i'll make you i will make you critique the work and tell me what i need to edit josh how do i do the slides <laughs> tell me if the slides are good <laughs> you know but on that like but uh yeah it's it's a it's in a terms very... of uh um, girls oh i don't know uh continue <laughs> on uh kind of in terms of thank you in terms of females in the gaming industry i can't talk much about it because i if i'm being honest i don't know a ton about it but uh my personal experience playing games is growing up, I have two older brothers and one older sister. And my brothers grew up like playing hella games. And my parents were like really supportive of that. And like, you know, they had like World of Warcraft, they had all these like army games, they had Spore, which was kind of terrible, but you know, career creation, that was pretty cool. And I would often play a lot of my brother's old games growing up. But um, when I hit college in like high school age, I was honestly considering going into the game design field because I really liked the story aspect of a lot of games like Undertale or Deltarune or just games like that. I'm I'm blanking. I'm tired. <laughs> but I was getting really into because I was an artist and I was an animator, so I knew some stuff about anime sprites and stuff and I was kind of getting really into the idea and I kid you not I went to dinner with my mom and dad and I was kind of telling them my dreams of like doing this and they were hella discouraging of it and told me no you can't do that like we do not want you going into that field and I was like por que mama and she was like we think that if you go into the game field repressed nerds will hack into your information and ruin your life for no reason now it's just like why do you think that and she's like all these fears of people like harassing girls or that you know guys should be in the video game community because video games are for like nerdy guys and i was like are you calling jimmy and josh nerdy guys also i have a brother named josh josh just you know (laughs) 
Calling them nerdy guys is just like it's different. It's different. They're men. They're not going into the gaming industry. But you as a woman, you're like you're vulnerable to that, and we don't want you doing that. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> no, had to feel about this. And um, and I'm started going into the animation industry. Animation often goes into video games, but it's sort of one of those things where it's like. I'm actively being discouraged by my family to go into the video game industry because they fear nerds are going to have to be in root of my life. That, that's a, you know, I, I could see where some of that stems from. Um, mm-hmm. There is a, an, there is a whole fiasco with this thing called Gamergate. That, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been news articles of, of women receiving death threats. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask these questions was because um, as I'm exploring mental health and I'm using esports as a really extreme condition of being in front of the computer for hours, and there's all mm-hmm. these other things that are kind of tied into it. Well, I'm going to be focusing mostly on the mental health aspect. There has to be avenues for inclusion and, you know, like addressing things like, like trolls and people that are going to be kind of, kind of either trying to like break the system or something. Um, you know, and it's not to say that that's my specialty. I would have to work with a with a team member that uh, is is able to address that and has the technical skills and and, and background in that. Um, mm-hmm. And so right now I'm just kind of collecting insight. I'm in this very like discovery phase, and you know, it and it's very interesting that you you mentioned how animation overlaps with, with the gaming industry because you mm-hmm. you see like the League of Legends uh you know uh promote promotions like where it's like they have like all these animations uh they're they're collaborating with like red bull um you know it, it gives like ari or like that that mustache dude uh wings it gives you wings yeah <laughs> and you, you get a pentakill um yeah actually fun fact there's more animation jobs at the gaming industry than there is in the actual cartooning industry i wow that's actually really insightful i never knew that so how how do these two overlap? I'm I'm coming at it just and I see it from just a marketing perspective. What are other avenues mm-hmm. that these kind of come in? And then how do comics fit into this if they do? Well, comics don't really use animation unless <laughs> it's like a digital comic with a sort of slight animation to it. Um in terms of animation of video games, like Every video game you play, this motion of some sort, whether it be text motion or character motion, like even the most ape-it video games, you have the character moving from side to side and up and down. And that, in a sense, is a form of animation. Is it? It's a moving image. So with more video games being posted a year than animated movies, there's just naturally a lot more jobs to animate because there's more video games. <laughs> And then in terms of connecting it to comics, since comics don't really move, like I said, unless it's a digital comic, um, it's more of like, it's the same objective of showing art in the visual format, but just not in a moving art format. Because with comics, animation, and video games, they can all be done by a single person or they can be done by a group. Like in, for comics, a lot of times there's the writer 
who draws an outline of the story. Then there is an inker who makes the ink lines and uh, outlines all the characters and the words. And then there's the colorer who comes in to add all the colors to it. And then that those jobs can be divided more or a person can just do all of them at once. But it's also the same animation. Sometimes in animation, there's a person who makes the keyframes, the backgrounds, the crowd effects, the facial expressions, the puppets. Or someone can just do it all by themselves. It'll take a long ass time if someone does it all by themselves, but they could, they can theoretically do it by themselves. I, I, <laughs> I, you said puppets, and that for some reason really stuck out to me. Um, I've, I've been in a binge of like, of of like kind of looking into into puppets. Um, where where does pup where do puppets kind of come into this? Like called like three D animated characters. There are. Created sometimes using Maya, but it just depends on the 3D animation software you have. Uh, with the puppets, they're really important because they have their own huge step list of stuff you need to do because there's molding, textures, and then poses and joints yet to form for them to be able to do this wide range of motions and expressions. And when it comes to telling a story, especially a story where it's about the character's feelings and like emotions, you really need to have a puppet that can adequately express them to the fullest extent. And with 3D, it's especially hard because being on this digital format, it's not like with a drawing where you can be like, oh, happy? Happy eyebrows, sad, sad eyebrows. With 3D, it's like, okay, I need to smooth these specific pixels and these specific muscle fibers and make them perfectly do the up eyebrows and the down eyebrows. And it can just take a long time to be able to rig it so that it can do both expressions almost seamlessly. So that sounds like, you know, you you mentioned a lot of different players in the system. And you mentioned like, you know, like in, in this last description, how meticulous it is. That sounds very stressful. And that sounds very like anxiety, like inducing. See, I see the thumbs up and just like nod, just in case people listening to the podcast version of this are just like, um, but, you know, what what systems are there to like to help address like this this anxiety and the stress in in these workflows, um, and what, what insights do you have on that? Well, when it comes to the anxiety of doing well in the animation industry, there is definitely say professionally a, a shit ton because the animation industry is very underrepresented for its workers and animators and artists like uh, the animation union is basically non-existent they're unable to do a lot of stuff to help animators and you can do more research about it um i read about i watched a documentary where they interviewed a lot of the artists and like the hours they put in Oftentimes, like, they would be there so long you would sleep over at the studio just to get their keyframes in and all the animation panels in between. It's really hard, and a lot of the needs of these artists are often not taken into consideration because when you get in, like, this strict deadline, it's all about trying to finish it by all means necessary as fast and as best as you can. And it's terrifying because it's like, since 
there aren't a ton of animation opportunities and since it's this vastly growing field there's always this threat of they could just fire me and that's terrifying that's i had an, uh, a really great interview uh with tara Furiani, the not the hr lady in the previous episode and she was kind of talking about this system as to where like you know the the higher ups in these companies need to champion these changes um and it sounds like this kind of plays into both like this system of, of mental health and well-being as well as all these industries that are kind of overlapping with these extreme like work conditions of like the need for performance the need for speed not the not the movie i don't want to get get uh find a was it vin diesel outside taking me out um <laughs> Copyright, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> tackles me down. I'm about to join the family. Um, you know, and and all of these, honestly, all these expectations, because like, I could imagine that putting putting your your work in front of an audience, a very large audience, or out in the world, as you've mentioned in in these um, social media platforms, the the critique that comes back from that, you know, the responses and you know, how others are, are looking at that critically. Um, you know, are there are there any outlets in the either the art community um, or any technologies out in the art community or comic or animation communities that kind of help with that um, to either alleviate In the documentary I had watched before, this is about the early Disney artists, you know, in their studios. And they described it as trying to pair these corporate bigwigs and these rebel artists together. The corporate people would, you know, put in the demands. And to kind of rebel, the artists would often draw caricatures of the corporate guys and the director and just post them around the office, you know. Like one director was always had this like smile on him. So people would draw him with this creepy smile, be like, how are you today? And just like post them all around. So it'd be like, screw you corporate. Like, you rebels, don't tell us what to do. So it, sounds it was like... chaotic. And... Oh, sorry, it was on. <laughs> no, I was gonna say it's chaotic and fun. I think that was sort of the way they used to do it. And it's sort of the same now, because now we can still use our art to kind of call out the shittiness of the corporate world and their expectations of the workers. I mean, that, that all sounds like pretty, pretty big. Um, you know, and having a background in fine art, um, I've, I've had my moments where I've, uh, I've also participated in certain uh, critiques of either cultural or social aspects that um, need to be addressed. And there's kind of this almost like inherent part of art that kind of comes in at, at times, depending on uh, the the community and um, the the type of art that it is. Um, so, it going back to all this, it also sounds like the the ability to make something really kind of helps, you know, like address or relieve like an, an aspect of that stress. Would that would that be accurate? Yeah, I definitely think so. It's also 
whenever I want to release stress, often I just take a moment to like not create anything at all. That's where like the escapism comes into play. Because sometimes when you're just actively creating and writing all the time, sometimes you just need a second to like go retreat into your brain and not do anything to recharge yourself before you're going back into constant creator mode. I feel like that's like a balance a lot of people find it hard to have because especially a lot of artists who found stress relief in drawing, when it becomes a job and they're drawing all the time, it becomes hard finding a way to de-stress because after drawing all day, the last thing you want to do to de-stress is usually drawing. It sounds also like you know this like the community kind of like supports each other through having ways where other artists or other creators be able to escape into that medium for that work and then come back and then do their work and then that kind of it, it, they do the same where their their medium or their their content that they created becomes an avenue for someone else to distress so it seems like this really kind of interesting closed loop system where like everything kind of goes around cyclically mm-hmm. um so we're we're at a little over an hour exactly um and i want to say thank you very much Fio, for coming on to the show um providing me a lot of insight and addressing some of the, the really hard questions uh that i, I threw at you um and I, 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 I also thank you for for always being there to kind of be like raise that hand in case i i get out of out of line if you come down swift like a car um i keep mentioning your D character just because I, I i i love it do you want to as a parting note do you want to uh Mention your D and D character Kaka, um, and why they're they're so great. <laughs> uh, my character Kaka is an Arakaka ranger who is also an elf supremacist, even though herself is not an elf. She struggles with finding herself worth, but also on a path to find Pan, the only and ultimate god of the D world. <laughs> and through her struggles and trying to find her god and discover what it means to be truly holy she finds a group of surprisingly a lack of elves to her disappointment but whatever she discovers that maybe all races are okay (laughs) and she becomes a more accepting bird person (laughs) that that, that's that's great Uh, oh yeah (laughs) Again, thank you so much, Fio, for coming well, on. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, to everyone who's watching or or listening in on this podcast, thank you for being part of this community, checking stuff out. If you have any questions, any comments, or anything that you would like to contribute, again, you can you can go ahead, um, send send a message uh, to support. Uh, contact me um, via. Uh, my website um and you can also shop help help share this episode um and join our patreon if you are not down for any of that you could always just kind of like give feedback onto what you would like to hear or or see differently on this and again this is an iterative project um that will change and adapt as more resources come in as, as more guests are coming on um and this is community driven 
community focused and it's building with people and not for people. Um, Fio, if if people want to see your artwork, are they able to find it anywhere? Yes. I have an Instagram account called Art by Fio or Gallery of Fio. <laughs> uh, I post occasionally there some fine art stuff. But if you want to see some comic work, I'm doing stuff for Hasbin Fanworks. I recommend you check them out. They do fan comics from Hasbin Hotel, which is awesome. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Thank you for having me on your show, Josh. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Be cool. Until so, next time, <laughs> stay, stay community-focused. Stay Bye. Driven, and hit that triple bottom line.